0: What is going on, Pirates Nation? Welcome to yet another episode of, screw it, the Murfanko Experience. I still haven't come up with a name yet. and I I think I'm just going to roll with the goddamn thing because, like, I don't know. I I just love it. My wife hates it, so that's a bonus, uh, if I'm being (laughs) honest with you. Um, We got another jam-packed episode, boys and girls. It's going to be a very, very fun one for Anthony and I. Um, we hinted at it last week in, in last week's episode, uh, that it's pretty big for us. So Murph Dog, how are you feeling about this, man? I know you're excited as hell.
1: Really excited here. Um, been a little under the weather today, but like I was telling you off the air before we started, like I, I wasn't gonna miss this one. So,
0: oh, I know. I, I always send him a message <laughs> like, I don't know, eight hours before the show's about to go. And I, I always say like, Hey, you good to go? And I don't even know why I sent it because like this man would have to be pretty much dead to not be on this show today. Uh, So we're glad you're here, Anthony, because it's going to be a fun goddamn show. And you know what? Screw it. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is one of the most biggest writers and influence influencers in my life and Anthony's life. Mr. Tim Williams. How you doing, Tim?
2: Hey Cody, Anthony, how's it going, guys? That means a lot. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, man, not a problem. Wait. Like, like we said, man. Uh, Anthony was telling me in last week's episode off the air that he brought what? What'd you buy, Anthony? You got to tell him.
1: It was it, it was the I, I believe it was the 2011 prospect guide on there. Is one of the first things on there. Like I, I've been, <laughs> yeah. I've been one of the guys from like the very start, the, the, um, following the website. So this is like really big Me, I, I, I selling Cody, I went back to my mom's house, looked through all my stuff to see if I still have it. I'm quasi hoarder. So like, I'm surprised I didn't find, (laughs) find it on there, but, but it's definitely something I went back and and tried to dig up once Cody told me you're going to be on. So this is really
2: awesome for you to take, take the time out to come on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you following you know, for that long, that that feels like forever yeah. ago. That was the book yeah. that kind of started it all. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah. He said he if he found it, he was going to, like, tape it to his shoulder just to, like, something. just, just like, a just like, little just, like, background, the background for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> settle, settle uh, in. <laughs> but, guys, we do have a show to get to, and, and we got a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, of course, with P2, Tim, uh, you cover a lot of Pirates prospects. Um, and with Winter Ball and things happening now – uh, there's a lot of kids getting some more at-bats, some more uh, innings in. Um, and we'd like to touch on a, a couple of them. And, you know, just to start out, um, what do you think of this whole system uh, now with Ben Sherrington, you know, kind of having his claws into everything and making the moves that he wanted to make, um, you know, a couple of drafts in? So where is this, I guess, pipeline or system as compared to the final years of Neil Huntington?
2: Well, I mean, I think that there was a narrative uh, during the changeover that the pirates didn't have any prospects under Huntington. And uh, you know, when Sherry took over, it was a full rebuild. I think we've seen that's not the case. A lot of the guys that people are most excited about right now are guys that were in the system at that point. But What's really exciting right now is just the approach that they've taken, especially in the last year, uh, literally, you know, almost the last calendar year of adding to those players and really committing to the rebuild, but not just committing to it by bringing new guys in, but committing to it by really tackling and attacking what was going wrong at the player development stage so that, you know, it won't be just another, cycle like it was before where you have a lot of talented prospects with we still have big question marks of if they are going to work out but they are at least attacking the things that went wrong before
0: yeah yeah i it that that seems to be where huntington kind of got i don't know hamstrung or caught up it it was the whole development stage you know it's it seemed like they would dominate in the lower levels and once they got towards you know triple a maybe it kind of just all seemed to I don't know, not form or, or not pan out. I mean, I mean look at Tyon. Tyon was how big for how long and then he just could never put it together or he got hurt. And, and things just never seemed to gel with Huntington. Do you think Ben Charity kind of has the, uh, the sauce to kind of like put in this recipe to actually get some kids that could, you know, maybe get a Wander Franco deal, even though it probably will never happen for a very long time
2: yeah i mean i think that uh i mean as far as franco goes you're talking about having a guy in the majors doing well at uh you know age 20 i can't remember very many pirates prospects who have been in the majors before age 22 so i think uh for that to happen you would have to see a much different promotion schedule which we've started to see a little bit we you know the way charrington promoted prospects last year uh Jumping them up from Double A, bringing them up with very little Triple A experience, it's unlike what you know we've seen in the past. But I really think that you, you mentioned you know guys dominating the lower levels, then getting called up. I I really feel like there was almost this issue with the upper levels where. Mm-hmm. It was seen as if you know you have to spend X amount of time at each area in the upper levels. And I really don't think that every player needed to do that. I, I kind of look back and wonder, you know, when this guy was dominating in high A and then he goes to Altoona and he's dominating. We knew at the time the Pirates weren't going to call him up for at least another year. Yeah. But if that guy was ready, how disheartening would it be for him? to think this right now is not good enough. And it very well, it, it, it could have been good enough. You know, we, we don't know that it wasn't, but what they were doing was telling players, this is not good enough. You're going to have to go and, you know, do all of this stuff, hit all of these boxes before you get to the majors. And I I just think that created a a really bad situation where guys – didn't really, you know, it's almost like a mythical dragon to slay once you, you know, get to the majors. It's like, what do you need to do to get there? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, other than just pass the time.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't know if I could, you know, go as far to say this, but do you think a lot of that had to do with like service time manipulation? In, in any some
2: way? of it did. I mean, I think some of it did, you know, when you see a guy starting off in triple A and it's all magically he will be ready in June uh, by the second week. That's <laughs> definitely uh, where service time manipulation comes in. But, um, you know, I I think that if you're having guys spend, you know, at least a year and a half, maybe multiple years in the upper levels, that, you know, at at, at some point you can try to shorten that a little bit and do like they're doing now, see if those guys, you know, are ready, in fact, and give them a shot at the uh, at the big leagues. Mm. Yeah, okay.
0: Anthony, I know you're brooding over there, man.
1: So, <laughs> like, I i kind of wanted to, <laughs> I kind of wanted to build off of everything right there. Um, you spoke a little bit about like the development and the changes with that, and how maybe it's not so much like a spend X amount of time here at one level; it's more that checking the boxes and then when you're ready go ahead and go is there anything else from like the development standpoint like in the system that you've noticed major changes
2: wise from like previous regime to this regime absolutely um i think the most common thing is that players have more control over their career and where it's headed um, you know, there, there were a lot of things in the past where they were system-wide drills that maybe didn't fit every single player, but they were applied to every player in the exact same way. Now, every single drill, every single approach is optional. The player can partake in it if they want to, you know, use that to further their career. But if they feel it's detrimental to their career, they don't have to do that anymore. And there have been a couple stories in the past just you know never any one consistent thing but the common thread was guys were being forced into drills that actually took away from their game and took away from their strength trying to build up something that you know they didn't really need <laughs> you know and i i think that that's you know you, you could argue that's one of the one of the issues having more of a cookie cutter approach versus a more individualized approach now uh, so that's probably the biggest change I've seen. Plus, you know, it, it seems like a much more fun atmosphere at this point, especially if you watch that Bradenton team, you know, celebrating yeah, all was, year and having yeah. fun. But just was, the the atmosphere in general is so much better.
1: Yeah, I and mean, no more making like Garrett Cole into like a saint. Garrett Cole guys into, like, sinker ball pitchers and stuff like that, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not just uh, no 70% fastball and then maybe mix in a couple breaking pitches, but, you know, if if you've got a great fastball, a great slider, throw them both and forget about the rest. You know, just play to your strengths.
0: I I think if we listen very closely in in a quiet night, we can still hear Ray Sears saying, throw the the (laughs) (laughs) two-seam.
2: And (laughs) you know that that worked for a couple of years and then yeah. uh, it just stopped working but they did not stop with that approach when it stopped working <laughs> no no, <laughs> no they didn't. Yeah, was- um
0: the the one thing and it it's kind of cliche to talk about because everyone wants to know who's the most underrated prospect or things of that sort um but i kind of want to touch on that man like who is someone that no one really talks about or knows about just yet that is going to maybe make a big impact coming into 2022?
2: Now, are you talking big impact uh, potentially in the majors or are you talking no, big no, impact, no, no. Like, I mean, like rising uh, up in the system?
0: Yeah. Like rising up through ranks or the system, whatever you want to call it like that.
2: Yeah. So um, just uh, thinking of a couple guys who I've got as early sleepers and, um, I think I always go a little bit too far off on this because I assume that everybody knows all the guys I have. So I'm going to go with some obscure guy in the GCL and <laughs> most people will never, you know, follow that far down. They're looking for somebody in double A, but uh, I Chang. He really got some Chang. Yeah. That's who I was going to say. Okay. Uh, you know, he, you know, we got some reports on him this year that he was one of the best hitters in the lower levels uh, can play. Second base, shortstop, third base, has some power potential. So that's the guy I'm really looking at, um, you know, heading into next year. And then I really like uh, the funky delivery of Anthony Solomito. Uh, I'm really excited to watch what he can do next year. uh, Hopefully in a full season if they get aggressive and send him to Bradenton. That's the one
0: thing I'm glad you mentioned Solomito because – do you think once he gets into the system and, and coaches start getting their hands on him, are they going to try to change that funky approach because that's got to be hard to, to repeat over and over and over again. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it would be if you went from a normal delivery to try to do that, but somehow that seems like his normal delivery. Yeah, And I don't, guess that they would change that just because you know their approach has been more do what makes you good you know we're not going to try to change you unless it's absolutely necessary it doesn't look absolutely necessary for him right now it just looks somehow natural that he's got his you know his arms flying everywhere and you know he's moving from the left side to the right side of the mound and then the ball's going the other way it's it works for him. And I, I think my guess would be as long as it works for him, we won't see any change.
0: Yeah. We, we definitely need to get some Saturday night fever uh, when it comes <laughs> out, man. Like, something's <laughs> gonna happen. It's, yeah. it's got to go with the theme. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anthony, I know, I know you have a certain picture in mind and we talked about it off the air. Yeah. That you want well, to-
1: yeah um, since you, you know, you brought up how like the pirates potentially being a- aggressive with the uh, with, the, with that, with Solamedo, Um the picture that I think the most, we'll I have a couple things on, on maybe about the draft class. One, one guy out of that class that intrigues me the most was Owen Kellington, just mainly solely based off the lack of information we got. What all have you heard from him? And, and you know, just give some thoughts and,
2: and maybe about him in general. I mean, those guys, you know, where you don't get much information, they they're always some of my favorites to cover because, you know, it's literally a goldmine. We, we don't know much about him on draft day. Um, yeah. Really. I don't know much more than what we've seen. Cause I've yet to, you know, really see him. Uh, I I try to wait for that to really diverge from the draft stuff. But uh, you know, I, I think that, from what I've been kind of projecting out, I would guess that he's going to be on a slower track than some of the top guys, but, you know, still a very projectable pitcher in the lower level, still a guy who, you know, the goal with all those guys is get a bunch of them and try to develop some of them into big league prospects, and he's definitely got a chance for that, so I, I would expect him in the FCL next year, um, and I'm really excited to get a look at him come spring training for the first real extended look.
0: And can we please, please play more than, like, five FCL games in a year? Like, yeah, right. that would be great. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I was tired of seeing the canceled, you know, because we get the black and gold game, and that would be something cool to see, you know, just basically – batting practice at that point for these kids because they play together all the time but like it's some bragging rights and it was something cool to see and it was like covid and then uh wasn't there a hurricane or something down there as well there was yeah Yeah. and that screwed everything up so hopefully we can get these kids some kind of development and i'm glad you mentioned chang before because he's getting more time now in winter ball i think he's playing in puerto rico right if i'm not mistaken
2: i believe so yeah yeah
0: um I think he just reported on Sunday or something to that effect, maybe Monday. Um, I think John covered that on the site. I, I'll have to go look at it again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this draft class. Uh, and and there's one thing that I wanted to ask and that deals with Bubba. And I'm sad he cut the mullet off, you know, cause that's, 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 <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, because I grew up near trailer parks, man. And I saw that all the time and it brought me back to my roots. So that was cool, but is is this kid gonna be more of uh, you know playing in the field or is he gonna is he gonna try to do the Otani thing, man? What do you see from
2: that? I mean, I asked uh, John Baker about that um, back in September. Kind of didn't really get a, uh, a clear answer on it. You know, he yeah. just kind of. Went with the, you know, as as long as he's hitting home runs, the uh, the pitching coach is shedding a tear type of answer. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I would really like to see them do that. They've taken so many just highly talented athletic players, um, you know, and I'm not even going back to the, you know, Van Benshoten days. But the last couple of years with, you know, Chandler, with Jared Jones, with just different guys like that, I, they've yet to go the two-way route as far as development. And it seems like he would just be the perfect candidate for that, especially in the early days when you know he's not used to playing a full season a hundred and you know forty game schedule in a ball yeah. he's not used to pitching a full season anyway either It seems like they could try to split him up there and get him work on either side of the ball, and that's something that other teams have done in the past with similar players but uh yeah i it would be really fun to see, but also I, I feel like it would just maximize your chances of turning him into a big league player by working on both sides of the game and seeing which one sticks. And I don't see how that's any different than trying the guy in center field and shortstop and seeing, you know, which one works.
0: Yeah. A is a great example.
2: Do you, do you, do you feel like they
1: can, with so like you talked about maybe being aggressive with Solomato. Do you think Bubba then is someone maybe you might want to? have in like the FCL for a year or something like that to make to maybe it's a little bit easier to monitor them since it'd be something newer for them or do you think that's something they can monitor over a full season in like Bradenton
2: I mean I think there's a lot of ways that they could do it they could split the season in half go one half as a hitter one half as a pitcher or they could you know try to have it mixed in throughout the season if they did that but I think the best way to do it would be in you know in a ball and full season ball, because it's it's a very low pressure thing. It's right there in Bradenton. So he could always go over to the SCL if needed, or, you know, head down to uh, extended spring training when that's going on. Uh, But, you know, it it would be the best place of all the places that he will eventually stop to, you know, start that experiment. If they did it, I haven't heard anything on if they would, but I really would like to see that, especially with, you know, the talent that he has, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball.
0: But, um, I'm glad you mentioned Bradenton because Anthony over here is like cream in his jeans over the word Bradenton. Had, had <laughs> Bradenton saved, was my so. team
1: last year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I know there's some guys on there that you want to talk about, Anthony. Well, I think,
1: I think the main guy would probably, I'd have to say Andy just, just, I, and I think the thing that fascinates me the most with him is, is the versatility, um, you know, catcher bounced in the, in the outfield by the end of the season, um obviously if there's anyone to talk to about seeing that in the minors just how common of a thing is that to be able to be that versatile to, to go from behind the plate to like the outfield or or first base I read something too at some point I can't remember who read it. maybe that he ends up at second base or something like that of, at long term for him to be able to do all of that and still be the kind of
2: hitter that he is as well yeah I mean I think that uh you know, normally when you see a catcher go to first base or the outfield, it's because they can't catch. And he can catch, yeah. but, you know, they have other options there. They were rotating him around and he can really play anywhere. I mean, he can play in the outfield, he can play first base. Uh, you know, you mentioned the second base thing. Uh, several times this year, you know, John Baker has mentioned that he might be the best second base prospect in the system. He plays it that well. So it, it's, he he's a very <laughs> special player That you know it, it's it doesn't matter where he is his athleticism is going to play but there's something about him too that he can just apply his skills all over the field and then to be able to hit on top of that I mean it's you're talking about a very special prospect who you know if he can stay behind the plate that's great they don't need that as much anymore because of Henry Davis but as long as he hits they will have a lot of different options for for him to go to and uh you know it, it's been a very positive sign seeing him in that pitcher friendly league just hitting the way he did this past year
0: yeah and the, the yeah. thing that we basically got him for bones like really not much had to be given up to even yeah. yeah. sniff at him so
1: he's a throw-in We're pretty much deal the deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do you, does he remind you ed you can you think of anyone that maybe did the same thing like that, as him, like, that low in the minors or anything like that?
2: Can't think of too many people who, you know, could play catcher and have a chance to stick like he did. I know, you know, there have been some players who they've had that, you know, I can play catcher, but. I'm not going to play catcher, you know, like (laughs) going back to like Neil Walker, like, you know, starting off as a catcher and you kind of knew he wasn't going to be a catcher. He didn't really even factor into the emergency aspect. And that's why I say it's so rare because, you know, that I can think of a lot of different people who have had that catcher first base right field profile. And it's typically the catcher part was in question, but in this case, none of them are really in question. It's just he's got versatility and can play anywhere, and he can play well anywhere. So it's a very rare player that, you know, haven't really seen a lot of similarities in the past.
0: No, not at all. Do you you think that
2: versatility can help him
1: kind of, like, fly through the system at at some point if they really wanted to just let him go?
2: Well, I think this is where it really helps is that as a full-time catcher, he would be limited in the amount of at-bats that he got. And, you know, you can offset that as the designated hitter to try to get more played appearances, but that isn't always a, you know, one player has the exclusive rights to that spot. So the ability to play everywhere is going to keep him in the game much more often than he would if he was just a straight-up catcher. And that is going to answer probably the biggest question of, you know, is his bat going to carry over at each level? So you're going to get a larger sample size than you would if he was just a catcher only. Uh, so yeah, he, he could move faster in theory if you know, he gets more opportunity at the plate and he continues hitting the way that, that he is and the versatility will give him those opportunities. Yeah.
0: Um. Now it's time to move up uh, one level and that's into the high A and I'd like you to speak on how hard it is to actually gauge what these prospects in Greensboro can do um, both on the pitching side and the hitting side, just because of the ballpark that they play in. I know your site posted, uh, you know, the splits, the home and away splits and everyone's looking at them, you know, how hard was it this year to really gauge what these prospects in Greensboro can do, you know, because the splits are so all over the place.
2: Yeah, it's we we don't really have uh, a lot of experience covering the team at that level because it's fairly new team to the system. But then yeah. also it's it's a new level. It used to be low A, Relaxed, now it's high yeah. A, right? So it's kind of a a difficult situation where you you have guys who go to low A, and that's a very one of the most pitcher friendly leagues. Then you have them go to high A and Greensboro has been a very hitter friendly park, but the rest of, you know, the rest of the league players didn't have the same success. And you can look at some things like, you know, did a player do well at both areas? I think Matt Frazier was one of the few who actually hit well away from, you know, the home park. Mm Uh, But then there are concerning things like, you know, Nick Gonzalez mashing at home, not hitting on the road. It's something where, you know, I I take it into account, but there's not really much at this point that we can conclusively say unless we see a trend develop at that level over multiple years. And then also see, well, how do people follow it up when they go to Altoona is, it you know, is it something about that league? Is it maybe something about the travel? Is it, is it, or is it actually the park? You know, there could be so many factors and we're still very new on this, but it, it definitely does bring some concerns, especially from the guys who were only hitting at home. Is that the park that's doing it or is that an actual, you know, yeah. legit right, hitting, yeah. hitting tool? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Um, I think Pagaro was one of those two uh, people thought, that he had a lot more pop this year, but I think if you look at his power stats, it was pretty much all at home. Mm -hmm. And that's a little concerning, you know, given that Piguero is fairly high on the Pirates prospect list when you look all over the place. Um, And that's not to, you know, discredit Piguero at all. He's much more than a power hitter. Um, You know, he has, he offers a lot at shortstop position, I think. Um, even though I think he had quite a few errors, but he's young. You know, you got you got to take that into <laughs> account. Um, but one player that actually had better away splits was Jared Triolo. He kind of had a crazy uh, year when you look at it. Man, he showed speed. His defense was uh, phenomenal. I think he won a Gold Glove in, in the minors, yep, yep. and he was hitting the cover off the ball. You know, he was he was pretty damn good. So where did this come from from triolo man because he was someone that came out of the thin air pretty much for a lot of people
2: yeah i mean he's he's had uh good contact skills um you know he's got a little bit of speed uh smart base runner uh good enough frame for you know for power uh he Despite being, you know, kind of a tall guy, he doesn't really have a super long swing or anything, not a lot of holes in his swing. Like, you know, another really tall guy on the team, uh, Will Matheson, who is kind of a little bit more of a longer like golf swing. Uh, And that Triolo, like he, he was really impressive this year. Um, I had him down as more of a first base outfield guy, but the fact that he, did so well at third base definitely raises his value being the, you know, contact hitter who can add some steals, add some home runs. Uh, that, that's a great profile for third base. And right now with, you know, I'm not ruling out Cabrian Hayes anytime soon, yeah. but it's nice to have another option in the system, you know, yeah. hopefully won't be needed, but without Hayes right now. And without Tirolo, I, I'm not sure, you know, where that position goes. Yeah, and it, I, yeah.
0: I, I think maybe you can make an argument for Mohika, but he is still so very young. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, in my opinion, he projects more as like a DH guy.
2: Yeah, definitely some mobility issues. Uh, you know, as he grows, he's got a big frame. It would be more difficult for him to stick at third base. More of a first base or DH guy for sure.
0: Nineteen years old, looking like he's twenty-six. Like, yeah, I'll never be he's he's ridiculously. <laughs> I'll like never a tree he's nineteen. I <laughs> <Nope. laughs> never uh, believe it no absolutely not and I, I I'd like to you know get into more major league talk because we do have a major league team people I, I know that we're going to hear the Bob Dunning talk again get the hell away from me anyways <laughs> what what do you see Charrington doing with this major league club as far as you know 2022 if there even is a, a full season or a season at all with the bargaining agreement coming up and it looking like a lockout may happen, but what has Charrington done so far to kind of give us a feel for what 2022 will be? Obviously it's still a rebuild, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I would be very surprised if they, uh, if they won, if they were competitive um, and a contender in 2022. Uh, So far we've seen them add uh, Jose Quintana um, that, you know, pretty good uh low-cost move he's only a couple years removed from being a three to four war pitcher so that's a that's the type of area that they should be working in as they try to build up um obviously that won't help them much beyond 2022 but I think that you know adding the hitting coach uh Andy Haynes recently that can make an impact with all the offensive prospects they have coming up really uh I look at that pitching staff and it doesn't look ready even with the addition of uh, Quintana. I I don't think it's even a second pitcher away from contending. I I think that they need some internal guys to develop, to kind of lock down some spots before you start to see that rebuild or that build kind of hit, hit its fruition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously you're probably talking about guys like Contreras and Yahore being the closest um to major league ready. Um in my opinion, I think they should stay at AAA for most of the year. Um I, I know that's not a very popular opinion, but I you need time in AAA. I mean, you saw a lot of guys kind of skip time in AAA and then hit a wall in the majors. I'd rather them hit a wall in AAA and figure it out down there before they have to go to the majors. I, I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but I mean, that's just how I feel with that situation, you know? So Yeah.
2: And that's, that kind of gets to what we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, when to promote a guy. Um, I don't know if there's any right answer. And I don't think that even if you got something that felt like a right answer, it would be universally correct across every single player. You look like at Contreras, how little time he's had above a ball. at this point and you know yeah he went to the majors he did well his stuff should be able to you know play in the majors next year even if he came up early but again what is he missing what what is he not learning that you know you call him up after so little time what what are you skipping over if anything at all I think that's that's a really interesting discussion to have um I also would add that uh, the guys who are in the majors right now are some of the guys who I'm still not writing off. Uh, mostly JT Brubaker, Mitch Keller. Yeah, I've always. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, he's <laughs> Anthony's guy, just so you know. That's
1: that <laughs> yeah. my boy. So like.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've always felt uh, Brubaker could be, you know, an average starter. Could be, you know, possibly better than that. And I, I don't think we've seen the best out of him so far. Uh, Keller, I've been very high on. Um, you know, I, I think that he could yeah I mean I, I don't think we've seen the best out of either of them and considering how many Pirates pitchers who were developed under Neil Huntington and under that development system who went to other organizations and you know figured it out there I would like to see them try to attempt the same thing here you know just yeah. pretend Pittsburgh's a different place and <laughs> you know just new atmosphere new culture and see if one, two of those guys can, you know, fill a long term spot before you start looking at Contreras and the guys down in triple A or even you know Priester and guys in double A or lower.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and this is just my lonely opinion out of you two apparently. But I, I think <laughs> I think JT is more fit for a bullpen I think he's once or twice through the lineup, kind of a piggyback starter type role. Cause let's be honest, the pirates are gonna shell out probably 12 to 13 starting pitchers throughout the season if not more uh, we're going to see a lot of different call-ups signings whatever and I think JT is better suited in the bullpen and that's not a bad thing like people always look at me like I'm no. some fucking crazy
1: guy that's an excellent I, role for JT I, now I have someone on my side
2: you're wrong
0: bastard
2: Um, I mean, that's definitely where the game is heading though, uh, where, you know, you you talk about having a negative reaction to saying somebody is a reliever. Well, in today's game, if a guy can come in and throw, you know, two or three innings on a pretty consistent basis, that's, that's not the low value reliever that just comes in and throws one token inning in either the sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth, whatever his role is. You know, it, it's starting to be a different game, and I think that Brubaker could be a starter who you know can give you five to six innings consistently, average or slightly better overall numbers, and kind of fill a rotation spot. It's not top of the rotation stuff or anything like that, but he could be that guy. But then he also could be a very elite, you know, multi-inning reliever who you know one time through the order just shuts guys down, dominates them. And I'm not really sure which, you know, obviously you want the guy who can go five innings. But I think if he can play up in two or three innings, then, you know, yeah. you, you can't really go wrong there. I, I think either way, he's he's better than what we've seen so far. Yeah. And, and, and
0: I think yeah. the Pirates are kind of filled with a lot of those kind of pitchers. Uh, Will Crow being one of them. Uh, yeah. He's definitely destined for that type of role. And he kind of turned it on towards the end of the season. I think his last start was his best start, um, to be mm. honest with you. But I, I don't know. That trade is looking a lot more weird than what I thought it would be. Uh, I'm still holding hope for Eddie Yeen. I doubt he's going to get picked in the Rule 5. Um, mm. But I, I don't know. I, I saw Eddie Yeen and Bradenton kind of you know, build up some more confidence. I, I don't know. I'm still high on Yeen. And, and I know I told said we got to talk about the majors. But I need your opinion on Yeen.
2: I mean, I I think that uh, it's it's really difficult at that level, a young pitcher, uh, you know, having the control problems that he he's had. It, a lot of uh, hard throwers kind of run into that issue at a young age because, you know, you see a jump in velocity. It's kind of harder to control where it's going to go. It's just kind of grip it and rip it type of yep. uh, mentality, and it's not really – It's more throwing than pitching, I guess, uh, if you will. So I'm not really too concerned by the overall numbers. Uh, The stuff was impressive. It was there and it's just about getting him, you know, kind of harnessed and to a better place where he can control it. And he's young enough that he's got plenty of time to do that.
0: Yeah. Mateo kind of reminds me of that. He kind of figured it out towards the end of the season and developed a deadly slider. I don't know uh, I, I, you obviously work for BA and I I think you've held them at gunpoint to actually talk about the pirates more often. (laughs) They kind of seem high on the pirates now. And I always tell my buddy Nola, I I bet you Tim's in the office, just like holding them at gunpoint to talk about the pirates more often (laughs) and I'm living for it, man. All right. So we, we got a lot of pirates talk in there and, and that's all well and good, but this episode, uh, at least for me and Anthony here is just to hear Tim's story, to to hear what he's been through, what he's done, what's what's motivated him to do what he's done uh, with his writing career and things of that sort. Uh, Because to be honest with you, he's driven at least me to do what I do now. And it's an inspiration. So Tim, I'm
2: going to let you have the floor, man. Oh man. I mean, you know you say i inspired you uh so that's definitely not something that i expected uh to ever hear <laughs> when i started out you know that i would inspire anybody with what i did makes me feel like i should have had some more restrictions on myself along the way <laughs> you know but uh i no I, I really appreciate it i mean i kind of just ran into an opportunity you know pedro alvarez in his first season was playing 30 minutes away from me and so I started a website to kind of have a project following the pirates and it's led to this uh, today it's, it's been a great ride but uh, I think the best part is just being able to learn so much about the game and getting that inside look at everything that's that's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the, the site that you've built up now, you know, with John and Wilbur, which we'll touch on in a second here, and, you know, Ethan, and, you know, just the site as a whole, and it's it's given a lot of information uh, on the pirates in general, and in my opinion, it's one of the spots that, uh, you know, people go to for the right information, you know, may not always be the fastest, but it's the right uh, information that we need. So what what led you to, you know, meeting these guys and, and you know, starting this site uh, as a
2: whole? Um, you know, John and Wilbur uh, actually joined in 2010. They've been almost since the beginning. Uh, they just, you know, John was on a message board breaking international news and, uh, you know, also had you know, a a really big interest in uh, Pirates history, which we've turned into a a full website now. Uh, But, you know, Wilbur has obviously covered uh, followed the minor leagues since before Neil Huntington, since the Dave Littlefield days. Uh, A lot of experience covering things. He's seen a lot of players come through, has a lot of really good reference points for prospects. So, um, with pretty much anybody, it's I want to bring people in who know their stuff you know and and who are out there doing it and it, it's really just it's information it's it's finding the most information on all of these players finding the most up-to-date stuff and just trying to compile it to get a a good overall picture of each player but then the the organization as well it's it's kind of a fun treasure hunt every year but uh yeah i i couldn't have done it without uh without john and wilbur over the years i mean the the stuff that they add the they're essential to our, our ranking process it's just huge having them having them there and it's kind of a fun time of year right now actually because we're working on the prospect guide the uh, you know 2022 guide and uh, you know coming up with the rankings and every year I want to kind of just publish the discussions that we have because they're uh, you, should. you know they <laughs> it's kind of um, you know just not too different than what we've been talking tonight. You know, I like this player. I don't like this player as much. Here's why. Here's why not. But I think it's it's a look at the process that we don't really reveal on the other side. We reveal it as here is the list, but we never really reveal, you know, all the uh, all the makings of it. We, we might do a little bit of that this year. Uh, yeah. Get some kind of behind-the-scenes looks at it. Okay, so... I was talking to Anthony off the air before, and I said, I'm
0: going to ask about Wilbur. I just have to. And I, I have to know, Is it, what kind of uh, funding is it going to take for Wilbur to get a goddamn Twitter account? Or do you know something we don't know, and it's a burner account, and he just doesn't tell anybody? <laughs>
2: Uh, you know what i i honestly i'm trying to find this burner account if he does have one because he knows some stuff going on on twitter so i i think he's got some kind of link to that but uh, yeah yeah, it's it's one of my life goals to get him to to join the fray (laughs) of twitter and i don't know i mean we might even have to change what twitter completely is for a couple days to throw him off just you know (laughs) no it's it's totally fine now it's not a Dystopian wasteland where people just fight to the death every day over pointless, pointless arguments. But and when you put it like that, he just doesn't want to hop on right away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's weird how you know, saying that, yeah, talking about how everybody's just having childish arguments would make him not want to join.
0: That yeah, to like me
2: you. would be like, yes. I, so, I mean, before we did this, I literally browsed TikTok for like an hour for that very reason. So, I mean, I, Same. You know, it's all about finding your sales approach, I feel like. and And that didn't work with him. So we'll try something else. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems
0: like you could sell like a broken car to anybody. So if you're going to get Wilbur to do it it'd be it'd be you no one else can do this i doubt john could do it it's definitely going to rely on your shoulders and i hope you're willing to take this major burden
2: <laughs> i mean hey i look at it this way we've already established tonight that i have sold a prospect guide on the 2011 pirates prospects to anthony so i mean Absolutely. just use that use that same i'm not magic. a hard sell though <laughs> i am not a hard sell <laughs> Uh, hey, you know what? I'll take it anyway.
0: <laughs> and he's a salesman. Like, put that into yeah. perspective. He is a salesman. So, oh. I'm a salesman who's been sold a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So, I kind of wanted to get into this because tomorrow is obviously Turkey Day, and there's a lot of uh, slander going on about Turkey on Twitter that just really irks me. So, is Turkey obviously belongs at Thanksgiving, right? And not just Thanksgiving, but other days of the year, right? Like, I'm not the crazy one here.
2: I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, him. like, think, think of it this way. <laughs> oh, turkey, today. <laughs> turkey is a garbage meat. Like, here's how I make it for Thanksgiving. I brine it in whiskey and apple cider overnight. And then I take it and I smoke it for like 10 hours using (laughs) apple wood and cherry wood and just different types of things. It's delicious. Put stuff on the inside like an apple. It it turns out great, but it takes me a full day and I could just put (laughs) a plain burger on the grill and it would be infinitely better. (laughs) It would be so much better. You could do a grilled chicken breast and it would be the exact same because- you have to work so hard to make turkey yes. even appealing. And that's the big Absolutely. problem.
1: Man. Absolutely. I also spent five years at Walmart stocking turkeys. So like, <laughs> I'll never touch a turkey again in my life.
2: Man, you're yeah,
0: yeah. just <laughs> ripping my heart out here. Like, come <laughs> on. You know, I, I, I
2: feel that though, because, you know, back in my college days, I worked in a movie theater for several years and the combination of popcorn and soda having to smell that together for years, <laughs> I I can't eat popcorn anymore. So I I, I know where you're coming from on the, uh, the turkey thing there. I, yeah, no, nah, I won't touch it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, currently with me, I work at UPS and thank God they funded my college. So that's cool. It's my sixth college. So, hey, I graduated finally. So that's cool. But anyways, <laughs> we get about, I don't know, 2.5 billion Target packages a day. So when my wife wants to go to Target, I, uh, I, my head explodes and I, I grow a new one in about two hours, but that's a painful process, man. I just can't stand target anymore. If it wasn't for Starbucks, like I don't think I would exist going to target anyways. Like I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, I'm, I'm extremely thankful for uh even though this podcast is in its infancy, the the guests that we've had and Tim, you have not disappointed whatsoever it's been an extremely fun process. I mean, a couple of days leading up, knowing you were coming on and actually really, really preparing, like me and Anthony prepare a little bit, but we like, like to keep it loose. But fuck, man, I, I like deliberated so many questions for you. It's not even funny. Yeah. Um, half of my list isn't even asked, and, and I'm not going to ask you to stay on for seven hours because... I, I
2: definitely could keep on going if I wanted to. Um
0: well I mean we got
2: uh we got <laughs> plenty of time in the future. I mean this pirates build is gonna keep going on so there's more opportunities yeah. going forward. But you know, I wanna know what what drives you guys, what uh you know what is the inspiration for recovering the pirates for, for wanting to do this for you guys.
1: Uh I hate myself, so that's why I call those pirates. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean, no, um, I mean, for for myself, uh, my dad was a big sports fan, but growing up, I spent a lot of time with his mom, my grandma, who re- who passed away last year, or two years oh, ago, I'm sorry, I can't even remember that. now, you know, she was a, a big part of my life, and I can remember, you know, she loved the Steelers, she loved the Penguins, but the Pirates were her thing, and, you know, she grew up on the south side close to Forbes Field, um and her dad was a first generation born in america his parents were from germany and um you know he didn't have any girl or boys uh so she was kind of his boy in a way and he'd take her to doubleheader games and she'd tell me all the stories of you know going when it was light out and him carrying her home while it was dark out and uh you know, every time the seventh inning stretch would come, she would sing, take me out to the ball game. You know, when she was a little kid to when she passed away, you know, cancer was eating her up and she was still singing, take me out to the goddamn ball game, man. Like, (laughs) and you know, she was a big part of why I wanted to make something of myself and writing and podcasting is kind of where I feel I can, make a little bit of a difference I know that sounds sappy yeah. but like that's really my story I never really told my story so I'm thankful but, that you asked that,
2: that that's yeah, really awesome because I mean it, it really hits to the heart of like you know what makes baseball so great it's it's such a tradition that's you know it, it's rooted in families it's rooted in where you were born where you live the relationships you have and that that's just an amazing story you know the you and your grandmother were able to kind of share that about baseball and then now you're able to do this and I'm, I'm glad that you're adding your voice to it because i mean there's this perception that you know we have this many voices already and what else can you say but i i don't think that i think we're getting to a great era where you've got so many people adding their voices and so yeah. many different ways to do that for whatever median feels strongest for you and i think you guys are doing a great job with this i mean you know definitely keep it up keep keep that going
0: thank you We appreciate that
2: yeah yeah.
0: i you know and i i really appreciate the partnership with pittsburgh baseball now as well you know working with alan um it's changed a lot uh for me personally you know i i lost the drive to write for a very long time uh you know and and it's it's been a very very big pleasure to you know work with you personally man and i'm i'm very thankful for it so thank you
2: I mean, you've been doing an amazing job. You know, I'm I'm just glad that, uh, you know, we're able to do this project on uh, Pittsburgh baseball now. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can get everything on my side with Pirates prospects and uh, Pittsburgh baseball network, you know, kind of churning to where I can start writing some articles over at uh, Pittsburgh baseball. Now I have a feeling that will be next season when I, you know, have a little bit more, uh, more content coming in, can focus on that a little bit more, but yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to you know read what you and Danny have every single day, and then you know see what you guys have here on the podcast. You know, prepared every week. It, it's been awesome.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Right. And, and spread the Murfanko name around, Tim. That's all I got. <laughs> <For say. sure. laughs>
2: yeah, well, I mean, it, just keep using your voice. I mean, keep keep putting your opinions out there. Keep uh, keep doing what. What you feel is your strength in this, and it you know, I, I believe it will work out. You already have the work ethic, you already have that. Everybody's approach, everybody's voice is going to be different, everybody's stance is going to be different. You know, some people will be wrong about JT Brubaker being a certain, not pitcher. us, no. <laughs> not <laughs> us <though. laughs> no, no, not, not us. us. <laughs> That's really the point of tonight is that, uh, it's it's if you think J.T. Brewbaker won't be a starter, you're wrong. That's that's pretty much where where we, we kind damn. of wrap it all up. Like you
0: ruined my turkey, and then you ruined my stance on J.T. Tim. Been, what the hell, been, man? It's been a
2: rough a rough night for Cody. It's, it has. God damn. I've I've, I've enjoyed it too. Just, just, just.
0: <laughs> but like I said, man, this episode has been extremely fun. Um, and we definitely got to hook up again, you know, when the season gets going and and we can talk, uh, actual baseball and not dream about baseball. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it, Tim and, uh, me and Anthony got to do a little closing here. So, uh, we'll talk soon, man. And the episode will drop tomorrow, but, uh, I won't ask you to tweet it out or anything, but, uh, you know, give us a listen
2: if you want, tell us if we suck or not. So, That'll be cool. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to tweet it out. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get some good feedback for you guys. And uh, hopefully, you know, this is my first interview for a while. So hopefully I didn't suck or no, know, no, just direct that, uh, <laughs> that criticism my way. Cause I'll, I'll definitely take it this time. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm off. I'm, I'm in off season mode right now. And I feel it. <laughs> spring yeah. training is far away.
0: <laughs> I feel it, man. My bones are cold yeah, yeah. And, and chilled. So definitely yeah. get it uh but tim have a good night happy thanksgiving to you and uh we'll happy talk again man. soon man
2: yeah yeah thanks for having me on you guys uh have a great rest of the show have a great holiday and uh look forward to this again all right brother have a good one man. Awesome. i appreciate it
0: i'm gonna let that breathe <laughs> i'm gonna let that air out for a minute man like that was
1: the only thing I can say on that is he's a JT three breaker guy. So you know
2: what, dog? <laughs> <laughs> Shut the hell up, man! <laughs> Shut up! No. Shut
0: up! I know! I know! I he's know. a turkey hater. He's a turkey <laughs> hater. I can't believe it, man! Can't believe it. But no, this this episode was. I know we say this every goddamn time, and I said a lot of goddams for just for you. You know who you are know who you are hey Hey. but (laughs) this has been an incredible episode and like i said i really don't care if we get a lot of views on this or downloads or whatever that'd be great but this was all for the experience man like to hear him actually in person speak on these prospects that we've been hyping up and talking about and building something in our heads that's much grander than what we see now Mm -hmm. is an incredible experience. You know, we read his stuff and, and we see his tweets, but to actually hear Tim Williams in person was just incredible. And Murph, I know you gotta be feeling the same dude.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really got my first bit of writing starting writing back around the 2010 draft I want to say it's the Garrett Cole draft like I was real excited because the Pirates had the first overall pick so I kind of wanted to go a little in-depth and research some of the guys they could take even though it was, you know really just Cole or Rendon at that point but and then like just as I'm searching the web just kind of stumbled across his site at some point and like I said I got the the what was I think it was the 2011 prospect book for him and just to have someone that you followed for that long come on and take take the time to talk and get to talk about the thing that you invested so much time reading his stuff about that was just a very awesome experience i mean you said you said it too i feel like we say this every every week but like like it, it 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 feels like that every week that like yeah like we're 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 living a dream with it you know we're talking about players that are we're talking to players that uh or living the dream, playing, playing, you know, the sport we grew up loving. We're talking to a guy who helped influence and shape where we're at now. You know, it's, it's just awesome.
0: Yeah. I like, I, not going to lie. A couple of times my legs were literally shaking. <laughs> like I, I was <laughs> bouncing them up and down. My cat kept thinking it was like a toy or something. Kept like pawing <laughs> at my feet and I like, get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but the, Yeah. I have no other words to say, but this was awesome. And on Thanksgiving Eve, I couldn't be more thankful. And Absolutely. that sounds so corny. <laughs> and I'm not a corny guy at all, <laughs> although I love corn on the cob. So that's cool. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a, a very corny guy, but I'm very thankful for today's episode, man. Same. And, you know, I, I hope that, you know, you and your family have a great uh, turkey day. Uh, hopefully you don't watch the Detroit lions and Chicago bears with Andy Dalton. And yeah, I was, so like, I'm a really <laughs> big
1: Justin Fields guy. So like, I was really excited to get to watch him. And then like, they say he's out and like,
0: like, yeah, I'm okay with missing that. Yeah. Sorry. My <laughs> perfect. We, we love your stuff, man. But like <laughs> the lions, them loins. Uh, yeah. no. Uh, you tied the Steelers. I'll give you that, man. That was embarrassing, but the Steelers suck anyways, man. It, it's been a rough season uh to say the least. Um, but the Penguins are doing all right, so that's that's real cool right now. So Yeah they won again tonight. Yeah they did. It was a four to one. I was listening to Four to one yeah I believe yeah. Yeah. It's Vancouver. It's not not like a win's a win. Yeah, wins a win. Tristan Jari's looking alright. So I'm happy
1: he about is. it. He is. Yeah. He is.
0: Wait, where this is a baseball pocket. What the hell's going on? Like, come on, Murph. You you got <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh man, um, I got I got energy for days now. I feel I feel Absolutely. ready, and uh, you know I, I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. And thank you so much for listening, um, as you always do. Like I said, we're in our infancy, but we're growing as fast as we can. We have over a hundred downloads now, so hip hip hooray for that! Um, I'm working towards getting on Apple. It's been a very slow process, but. Um, wherever you're listening to this, let me know in the comments so I can tweet out more of those links. Um, and right now we're going to give out our socials and uh, then we'll say our goodbyes. So for me, uh, I would personally find it amazing if you followed uh, my only account now, really, uh, which is at Murfanko. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's at Murfanko because I'm going full blown with this thing, man. Uh, I love the name because my wife hates it. So that's cool. Um, that's a Murph, recipe for
1: success. It, it is. <laughs> it, it is because I get to have little
0: victories every time I say it. Cause I see her cringe and I live for it. Uh, she's making me nut rolls right now. So I kind of got to be quiet with that, but um, Murph, give them your socials, dude.
1: Um, as always, give me a follow on Twitter at double underscore Murphy 88. I've actually transitioned most of my stuff to through the fence, baseball.com. So if you want to give them a follow as well, you'll find most of my stuff pirates wise and random other stuff here and there as well.
0: Yeah. And you recently put out an article about the Wander Franco deal and dealing with Brian Reynolds and things of that sort. Uh, You guys should definitely give that a read. It's very good food for thought um, because it's true if you really think about it and you know what I mean, if you read it, cause I'm not going to give it away. You have to read it. Um, secret. Yeah. It's a secret for all you uh, very little subscribers out there who listen to this show. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of platform I have Murph, for you. I can give you 11 readers. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. <laughs> But no, guys, uh, this has been an excellent episode, in my opinion. I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving. Um, I will retweet this out on Friday for those of you who take a social media break for the holidays. I get it. Um, but yeah, we love you very, very much. Uh, make sure you like, rate, subscribe the uh, podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast. And uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. We love you. And most importantly, let's go Bucks. Goodbye. ¡Gracias!